0: And good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. If this is your first time here, let me extend a special uh, welcome to you. Thank you for joining us today. And for those of you joining us online, we're very glad uh, that you've tuned in. So I've always been kind of fascinated by the stories of Marco Polo. If you don't know who that is, he was an Italian merchant that uh, traveled the Silk Road between Europe and China. And he would talk about those travels, As a matter of fact, many of them have been documented. One that fascinates me more than any other were his travels across the desert of Lop. And before someone would cross the desert of Lop uh, right into China, they would gather in this little town, they would get all their gear together, and they would make this long, very treacherous journey across the desert. And he wrote about this. The desert's about the size of Germany. And something happened that was very mysterious. Listen to what Marco Polo said about crossing this desert. He said, Beasts there are none, for there is nothing for them to eat. But there is a marvelous thing related of this desert, which is that when travelers are on the move by night and one of them chances to lag behind or fall asleep or the like, when he tries to gain his company again, he will hear spirits talking. And will suppose them to be his comrades. Sometimes the spirits will call him by name, and thus shall a traveler oftentimes be led astray so that he never finds his party. And in this way, many have perished. Sometimes the stray travelers will hear, as it were, the tramp and hum of a great cavalcade of people away from the real line of the road and, and taking this to be their own company, they will follow the sound, and when day breaks... They find that a cheat has been put upon them and that they are all in plight. Even in the daytime, one hears those spirits talking, and sometimes you shall hear the sound of a variety of musical instruments and more commonly the sound of drums. Hence, in making this journey, it's customary for travelers to keep close together. All the animals, too, have bells at their necks, so they can't easily get astray, and at sleeping time, a signal is put up to show the direction of the next march, and thus the desert is crossed. Now I'll say at the outset, I don't know what these voices were. I tell you what, it spooked me to be out in the desert at night and hear voices calling my name. I don't know if they were demons or hallucinations, but you can say that some unknown entity was doing everything it could to lead people away from life towards death. And some things never change. We live in a modern desert of moral chaos, and in our moral chaos in this threatening desert, we also have to ask ourselves the question, what voice or voices are we going to listen to? Because some sound good, but they're trying to lead us off the path and doing anything they can to lead us to death. There was a recent study by Barna. They asked high school students where they would turn first in times of tension, confusion, or crisis. Their fathers were ranked about number 25. Mothers came in about 11. The first people they would go to, it says, are music and personal friends at the top. And in time of tragedy, young people may very well turn to the wrong leaders when they're trying to make their way through this desert. And these lying voices are still around. They're promising you they know better. They're telling you that there's more important things that you could be doing right now than sitting here. Things that would be more fulfilling, more rewarding, more fun. Telling you there's someone else that you should... Talk to instead of a trusted leader. And there's more rewarding things to do than growing in your faith or praying or tell someone about the hope you found in Jesus Christ. There's danger, no matter where you may be, of drifting off this Christian path, listening to voices that would choose to lead you astray. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is well, who do you listen to? Who should I listen to? And the passage we're going to look at comes from John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21 of John chapter 10. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. John chapter 10, starting at verse 1, reading down through verse 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You may be seated. We're again talking about Jesus Christ. This morning, the text says He's a good shepherd. He is our living hope. He is that voice in the desert that if you don't tune into and listen to, you will be led astray. And we see some characters introduced into the passage this morning that I'd like to talk about. First, we've got the good shepherd. We're told to listen to. Then secondly, we've got these These hired hands, you call them the selfish shepherds, that you have to discern. Then we have a thief, a robber, that we're told to beware of. There's a warning because they're lurking around out there. Then finally we'll talk about how can we be discerning sheep. How can we be a discerning sheep? So let's start out with a little bit of background. Last week we saw that Jesus used the suffering of a blind man. He healed him to display his power to the crowd. And that caused a stir among the leaders. They were forced to say this healing happened, but then they had to say, well, who did it come from? Was it from this man Jesus? If it was from this man Jesus, then we were going to have to admit that he's God, and they did not want to do that. They couldn't see spiritually. That was our goal last week, to learn to see spiritually, see the world the way God sees the world. And the, the healed blind man, was then thrown out of the synagogue because he would not denounce Jesus. He said, look, all I know is I was once blind, now I can see. Jesus then comes onto the scene. And now Jesus begins to expound on those kinds of leaders that had just thrown this man out of the synagogue, those religious leaders that wanted to kill him. And look at what he's saying in these first verses because he's using this very helpful imagery of shepherding as a, as a way of describing useful, practical leadership. And he starts with an image like this. Now, you got to understand this image in order to understand what's happening in this passage. It's a sheepfold, and it, had, it was built by rocks, and oftentimes the shepherd himself would be sitting as the gate. And this is the place for the sheep. Several families who own sheep and w- would put them in a sheepfold like this. They would hire a watchman. To look over the sheep, the watchman would admit certain people in or out based upon who they were. If you let an unauthorized people, they could steal sheep or they could kill sheep or some animal could get in. Unlike these bad shepherds, the approved shepherds would come in through the gate, not over the wall, to tend to the sheep, especially if it was their particular flock. They came in the same door as the sheep. And now we have Jesus uh, saying figuratively that he came to Israel as God's authorized messenger, this Messiah. And these other people don't have the divine authorization that he has. And they were essentially destructive and they were selfish. And then in verse 3, a gatekeeper we saw protected the sheep from enemies and the, the shepherd would come in and call out his sheep. And the good shepherd knew his sheep so well that he would often know them by name. Christ is saying, look, I know my sheep so well, I know them by name. And the sheep follow him. If a stranger tried to get in, the sheep didn't know his voice. So the first quality of this good shepherd is, well, he knows the sheep. He knows the sheep. And I came across this story. This was back in the 80s. There was an uprising in this uh, Palestinian village, and some soldiers came in. and, And one soldier was... Uh, told to gather all the sheep in the town and put them in one big barbed wire enclosure, and this woman who had lost her husband in the war came and said, "Look, I, I need my sheep." And he kind of started laughing because there were now hundreds of animals, all kinds of animals and all kinds of sheep in this big enclosure. And he said, "Okay, well, if you can pick out which ones are yours, you're welcome to them." Kind of laughing, and she said, "Okay," and she told her son to come up. This is a true story. He came up with a little reed flute started blowing this same tune repeated again and again and sure enough one sheep head popped up another sheep's head would pop up another one would pop up and she was able to lead these sheep out of the fold the ones that were hers because they knew the tune they knew what they were supposed to answer to now we've got to be careful about something being said here. Because remember, there's lots and lots of warnings about following false teachers through the teachings of Paul, through the writings in Scriptures. But the point here is how God forms His flock. In other words, you can still be susceptible to a false teacher. There's warnings in the Scriptures about that. But this is how God forms His flock. People come to Him because He calls them and they follow Him because they belong to Him. And he knows them. But he doesn't just know the sheep. He also grows the sheep. If we look in verses 9 and 10, look there in, uh, in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, what does that mean? It probably represents the security that God provides. And the pasture outside stands for what sustains spiritual health and growth. In other words, He doesn't just know them. He's growing sheep. He says, look, I'm the door that you can come in and and, and out. And um, back there in verse 1, the door was a way into Judaism. He said it in verse 10. And by the way, think about this picture for a moment. Look where the shepherd is sitting. Because sometimes the sheep have to go out and get nourished, and they come back in for security. And he continues, he said, I am the door. Then in verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's a picture of sheep, rather a shepherd, taking his sheep to the green pastures. He knows what they need to be nourished. And Jesus has said it. He said, you've got to live on my words. You've got to consume what it is that I'm giving to you. Just bread and and." And water's not enough. If you're going to live this life, if you want the kind of abundant life I'm talking about, you've got to feed on me. My words, what I'm teaching you. He knows what they need for life. And then finally, he loves the sheep. He loves the sheep. Look at verses 16 through 18. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's talking about the non-Jews. He's talking about the Gentiles. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. He's talking about his death and his resurrection here. And I have authority to take it up again, this charge I have received from my Father. That's how much Jesus loves his sheep. By his own accord, he's saying, I am thus willing to obey the Father that I willingly lay down my life for these sheep. See, Christ is the example for how elders and pastors should be leading churches, not for their own well-being, but for the church's well-being. And more than once, I've heard pastors, staff here at our church say, look, if there's someone that can come in here and do a better job than me, then bring them on, please. And if I profess to love First Baptist Church, I can never just sink my feet in the the dirt and say, I'm never leaving it. it, Look, I just told the elders, if there's someone here that can do a better job, you bring them in and do it. Thankfully, they didn't take me up on that. (laughs) But how can I profess to love a congregation if I'm holding a congregation back? The Jews didn't get it. They rejected Jesus' words. In verse 6, it said this figure of speech just Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So he expanded what he said. He he made statements in the beginning, then he expanded in in verses uh, 7 through 21. And he brings in another group now. He starts talking about these hired hands. Look at what it says about them in verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So we got this new person, this reference to the leaders in Israel. Two observations about these folks. First of all, they don't care about the sheep. They use the sheep. And these leaders are acting like hired hands. They want to preserve their own positions and and they willingly sacrificed Jesus when he started threatening them. And Christian leaders behave like hired hands when they put their own needs above those of the flock. And attitude is the big difference between the true shepherd and the hired hand. The Bible warns about teachers that are to be expected in the end times. As a matter of fact, if you look at 2 Timothy 4.3, uh, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. In other words, some people would prefer the hired hand. They tickle the ears. They tell people what you, they, want, they want to hear. See, in my job, there's a couple of things that I always have to do on any given Sunday. I'm here to comfort people who are afflicted and hurting and suffering. And the Word of God should bring comfort. But there's also a second part of this, and that's to afflict the comfortable. To step on some toes if you have to. It's never my goal to be offensive. That's the last thing I want to do. But sometimes when I read the Word of God, let me tell you, I'll start sweating during the week because it's like, okay. Ken Doolin said, Chad, whatever the Word of God says, you go after it. Even if you're shaking, you you can't see this little podium. I need a bigger podium so you can't see the handshake. I have to be prepared on any given Sunday that somebody may get mad and leave. The job as a pastor is to speak the truth to please God and and nobody else. Something else about these folks is they're going to run from danger. They're going to run from danger because they don't really care about the sheep. And by the way, there's many, many pastors attempting to leave ministry right now. I read one about one-third to 40% of pastors are thinking about leaving ministry right now because it is a challenging time to lead churches right now. But it's not the first time. Uh, I was reading about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was um, this very courageous pastor in Germany. He was a Lutheran pastor. He was involved in a plot to kill Hitler. But before that, he would actually ran to England. I didn't know this about him. The uh, Protestants in Germany were were split at the rise of Hitler. Some wanted to support this new power that was coming, and some of them did not. And he thought, this is a mess. I'm going to go to England for a a little while. But his friend Karl Barth, a theologian in Germany, wrote him a letter. I'm going to summarize this. He said, what is all this about going away and quietness of pastoral work? At a moment when you are wanted in Germany, he said, why aren't you there? Trying to save what there is to be saved. He said, I think I can see from your your letter that you, like all of us, yes, all of us are suffering in the present chaos. But he said, you're a German. The house of your church is on fire. And get on the next ship and get back to Germany. And he did. Matter of fact, he died in a plot to kill Hitler. Discern these selfish shepherds. You'll know them. They'll run from danger when it comes. Pray for me that I don't become one of them because the temptation's there every single week. And I covet your prayers. We've got another group of unsavory characters now. We've got the thief, we've got the robbers. And Jesus contrasted himself as the door with the thieves and robbers who preceded him. Uh, He provided protection and security and nourishment for the sheep. These others sought to exploit them. These were more of the religious leaders of the day. And look what they did in verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. But notice uh, these seem to be individuals who were still able to make their way in, so be aware the thief may disguise himself. A pretender, a false messiah, someone who convinces others they have the answers and they don't. They've got evil intentions. They want to break up churches. They come to kill and destroy. Can you recognize them when they're coming? Not always. D.A. Carson wrote about this, uh, one of the uh, one of the best commentaries in the book of John was by D.A. Carson. He said, "...the world still seeks its humanistic political saviors, its Hitlers, its Stalins, its Mals, its Pol Pots. and only too late does it learn that they blatantly confiscate personal property. They come only to steal, ruthlessly trample human life underfoot. They come only to kill and contemptuously, contemptuously savage all that is valuable. They come only to destroy." These are the ones Satan works through. I believe that one day one will rise to the top. He will be called Antichrist, and he'll lead a whole lot of people astray. But he'll be loved and adored when he comes on the scene. The world's biggest problem is still sin, and it's only solved by the gospel. What do we do? Well, we've got to be discerning sheep. Very quickly, suggest three ways here. First of all, you've got to understand the times. You've got to understand the times. And, and like I said at the beginning, we're in a moral desert. And one of the tactics of Satan, I believe right now, is to rip churches apart. And, and so are the people that you're listening to, are they leading to greater unity with brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are they leading to further distance between brothers and sisters in Christ? Because there's camps out there forming. And I'm afraid sometimes people are being persuaded to various camps that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, secondly, choose your shepherd carefully. Choose carefully. Who's influencing you? Are they even Christians themselves? Are they selling you some kind of a really strong belief that's just completely void of right Christian understanding? And then finally, follow the good shepherd. Jesus Christ. Make sure your faith is in Him and in Him alone. More than any other person, place, or thing, to put this all together, be a discerning and abundantly living sheep that knows a wolf when they see one. I want to close with a quick story about a man named Kelly Williams. He was a church planter down in Colorado. And uh, just to put it put it frankly, he was very scared about trying to plant a church. He thought he may not be cut out for it. And he, op- and he thought about quitting. He opened up his Bible to John 10 and read Jesus' words about the good shepherd and laying down his life for sheep. And he had some thoughts. And he thought about what Christ would say to him. And he said to himself, I would be willing to be a success for Christ, but would I be willing to be a failure for Christ? Am I willing to lay down my life for these sheep? And he prayed and said, yes, Lord. He said, I'll lay down my life for these sheep. If it is your will, this is the hill I'll die on. He said, I'll fight to the bitter end. We don't know where the good shepherd may lead us. Everybody wants to be a success for Jesus Christ. But are we also willing to be a failure in the eyes of the world for Jesus Christ. Are you desperate for God? Not for his blessings, but are you desperate for him and him alone? Let's pray together. Almighty God, it is is hard in the plethora and pantheon of voices in our world. God, as we walk through a moral desert that's full of chaos, with people screaming at us through the radio and through the TV of what to think, of what to believe, to clearly hear your voice in the middle of all that, the good shepherd who loved us enough to come to earth, to die for us and for our sin, and to make a way back to the Father. You're the voice we want to listen to, and Lord Jesus, help me that I would never fall into the trap of that hired hand. That I wouldn't be a coward. That I would go where you follow. God, all of our elders and pastors here at First Baptist, let us lead well. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.